0: Welcome to Hot Copy Radio Theater. You are about to hear a cast of very talented voice performers recreate a long-lost episode of Hot Copy, an exciting audio drama about the wild adventures of a young woman newspaper reporter, which was broadcast on the NBC Radio Network between 1941 and 1944. This recreation is adapted from the original script. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy.
1: It's time for Hot Copy, the vivid drama behind the paragraphs of a daily newspaper column. Hot Copy is the absorbing story of a young newspaper woman, Ann Rogers, a clever, attractive girl with a nationally syndicated column, Second Glance, in which she uncovers many events which other, less courageous reporters would be afraid to touch. Her stories, in the words of her adventurous profession, are always Hot Copy. Now, listen to today's new and exciting episode Mind Over Murder. Adapted from the original script as broadcast on radio on Sunday, June 9th, 1944.
2: <coughs> Mm -hmm. well now an excellent dinner excellent you wouldn't care for another cup of coffee are you sure now do you mind if i uh, light a cigar no Now then, uh, having concluded the uh, pleasanter part of our little conference, shall we discuss the um, uh, more bothersome details? I haven't got a great deal of time, I'm afraid. I'm I'm expecting another uh, guest in a little while. I'm sure you wouldn't want to... uh... (laughs) No, of of course not. uh, Well, then, uh, here in my pocket I have... uh, 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 a. yeah, wait! Wait! Wait a minute! A gun! Uh, what are you? Uh, now! Now! Look here! Be, be careful! You! Uh! You! You! You shouldn't do anything you'll uh, regret. I mean, can't we talk this over calmly, reasonably, uh, like rational people? Well, say something! Don't stand there looking at me like that! Put that gun away! Put it! Ow. oh, oh.
3: Still we're often told Seek and ye shall Oh, Sprightly, are you finished typing tomorrow's column yet? Almost, Annie. Just one more sentence. Here you go. I'm all done. Well, how do you like it? Oh, gee, Sugar Plum. It's swell. You did a great job telling how we discovered that gang of Nazi sympathizers who were spreading those ugly rumors all over the city. I wish it had only been rumors. They almost started a riot. And right in front of the army recruiting headquarters, no less. But they got what they paid for. The entire gang is cooling their heels in jail since it was all just a dirty scheme to undermine the war effort. Yes, exactly. They wanted a riot. They want Americans to be fighting with each other instead of helping to win the war. Well, I really like the way you ended the column with that quote from President Roosevelt. Any injustice, any hatred, any oppression is a wedge designed to attack our civilization. Well, I just hope that people will just pay attention and not listen to helpers for Hitler trying to spread hate. I hope so, too. And I think this column will be a good start. Uh-oh. Company.
1: Hello, Anne. Hi, Sprightly.
3: Hi, Wally. Hi there. Scandalmonger.
1: Have you girls seen Dwight anywhere around?
3: Why no, Wally, I haven't. Isn't he in his office?
1: Would I be here looking for him if he were?
3: Riddles, he asks, Okay, I'll bet. Would you be looking for the fabulous Dwight Lockwood if he were in his office? (laughs) No. I'm sorry, Wally. I haven't seen him.
1: (sighs) I thought not. He's probably been out getting drunk with his fancy-pants, high-society friends again. And, as usual, without even one word turned in for his column.
3: Have you called his apartment?
1: Yeah, but no answer. Oh, well... (sighs) I guess I'll go play nursemaid. See you kids later.
3: Bye, Wally. Sorry that we weren't any help. Goodbye. Hope you find him. Before the boss does. (laughs) Poor Wally. Always in a tizzy. I'm afraid I would be too if I worked for Dwight Lockwood. Work for him. Who are you kidding? It's really Wally that puts that column together. But Lockwood gets all the credit, not to mention the do-re-mi. Well, I honestly don't know about that, darling. But Dwight is a good columnist, if you like scandal columns. Don't make me laugh, honey child. The only good columnist is a dead columnist. Oh? But not you, of course. (laughs) Oh, no. Of course not me. Yes? Hey there. Don't bother using the doorknob. Just batter it down. Hello there. Come in.
4: Morning, Anne. Hi, Spritely.
3: Hello, Mike. Hi there, sleeping Ludy.
4: I hope I ain't protruding.
3: Well, not too noticeably. <laughs> no, not at all, Mike. Do come in.
4: Okay, thanks. I was just passing by, and I thought I'd drop in for a minute.
3: What? No crimes?
4: Nary a single crime, Sprightly.
3: Not even one eency-tainty corpse. <laughs> Sprightly, stop it. You sound almost disappointed.
4: She sounds practically bloodthirsty to me, Ann.
3: Well, I guess I'm in a rut. Usually, Mike, when you just drop in for a minute, it's to ask Annie and me to help you solve a case.
4: Ah, uh, now see here, Miss Pool. Lieutenant Mike Flanagan don't need nobody to help in solving cases.
3: Oh, no? Then how about... Saved by the bell. (laughs) Never mind, Sprightly. I'll get it. Hello? Yes, Ann Rogers speaking. Who? Oh, it's you, Wally. Yes, Lieutenant Flanagan is still here. Yes. Of course you can talk to him. It's for you, Mike. It's Wally Woodrow. Wally? How did he know Mike was here?
4: We happened to see each other at the door when I came in. Hello? This is Flanagan? Yeah, for sure. No, I'm always on duty. Huh? What's that? You say, dead. Okay, now don't get excited while you just wait for me. I'll be right over. See you in a minute. Bye.
3: Great Howling Serpents Mike, what's up? Who's dead, Mike?
4: Anne. Sprightly, It's Dwight Lockwood.
3: Dwight Lockwood is dead?
4: That's right. He committed suicide. He's lying in his dining room with a revolver in his hand and a bullet in his brain. Now, let's see. Which apartment is it?
3: 3A, Mike. The next one. Here we are.
1: Who who is it?
4: It's us, Wally. Open up.
1: Mike, listen. My fingerprints are all over the place. I went around the apartment looking for him. I touched a lot of stuff. Then, after I found him, I used the telephone. And just now, I opened the door and...
4: Yes, yes, I figured all that. So
1: where is he? In here. In the dining room. This way. There! Well, now, he's really dead, ain't he?
3: Brother, he's not playing possum. Looks like he's been dead quite a while. Don't you think so, Mike?
4: Judging from the looks of him, Yes. The medical examiner can tell us exactly how long, but I'd say, oh, since some time last night. I wonder what could
1: have driven Dwight to commit suicide. Suicide, is it now? Why, why, yes, of course. He's got a gun in his hand.
4: For sure. And I got hair on me chest, but that don't make me a poodle. Look, that there gun is in his right hand, ain't it? But the bullet hole is in his left temple. Why, yes. Oh, my Lord. By gosh, it is. He would have had to have been a pretty good contortionist to pull that little stunt. No, siree, this ain't suicide. It's murder.
3: Mike, you're right. Absolutely right.
4: Of course I'm right. You see, Anne... A real detective has got to have a quick eye for details. It's the stupid little mistakes that hangs murderers.
3: Exactly. Like that. And like the dishes.
4: Sure. The dishes. What dishes?
3: The position of the silverware and china on the table. Look here. The cup and saucer are on the left side of the plate. The fork is on the right.
1: Then the, the murderer is left-handed?
4: Either that, or he ate standin' on his head.
3: Wally, you look rather... strange.
1: Well, nothing. Except... that I was just thinking. That is, it's... it's... nothing.
4: Well, out with it. Speak
3: up. Yeah, what's with all the mystery, Wally? You mean... You know someone close to Dwight who is left-handed? Is that what you're trying to say?
1: Yes. Someone very close.
4: Who's that? His wife. (gasps) Who?
3: What? Wife? But... but... I didn't know Dwight was married.
1: Not many people did. He and his wife separated a few years ago. There was a lot of mix-up. Something about papers and the custody of a child. He told me about it once when he was, um, in a confidential mood.
4: That's enough to start, hon.
1: What's this wife's name? I'm not sure I... Wait! Hold on. It's on the tip of my tongue. It's... it's... Yes! Now I remember. It's Gloria. That's right. Her name is Gloria. Let me get that down. Gloria
4: Lockwood.
1: No, it's Gloria Carruthers. She, um, went back to her maiden name after they separated.
4: Okay. Now, is there anything else you can remember that might be helpful, Wally? I mean, for instance,
1: what does she look like? Well, offhand, as far as a description, Dwight said that she's tall, slender... A redhead, and a very attractive face and figure. He said that it was the main reason why they broke up.
3: Huh? Because she's a good-looking gal? How is that a reason to break up?
1: Well, evidently, that was the problem. Men were always making passes at her, and she didn't seem to mind the attention. She's a redhead, you see. Why, yes. Long red hair. That's what Dwight told me. Aha! I thought so.
3: Mike, what do you mean, you thought so?
4: Anne, you're a clever girl for a woman. But you still have got to get up pretty early in the morning to get ahead of Mike Flanagan. While you was looking at them plates and utensils... I was looking for discriminating evidence. And look what I found on this chair directly across from Lockwood.
3: It's a a hair? A long hair?
4: A long red hair, Anne. Got that? Stick around, everybody. I'm going to call police headquarters and tell them to pick up Gloria Carruthers and bring her to here quick as they can. It ought to bring some good results to arrest her right next to the body of the husband she murdered. Downstairs, eh? Okay. Send them right up.
3: Who is it, Mike? Gloria Carruthers?
4: Yeah, and some guy. Hey, Are you crime lab boys all finished? Yep. Done and dusted. Okay, run along then. I'm expecting company any minute. Leave the body
5: where it is. Okay, Lieutenant. We're leaving now. I'll get you a copy of our report when I see you at headquarters tomorrow. Please do that
4: as soon as you can. Meanwhile, thanks and goodbye till then. Bye, Lieutenant.
3: Well, I don't much look forward to watching the next act, but a news story is a news story.
1: You mean you don't want to see the murderer arrested, Anne?
3: I mean, it's never a pleasant sight to see anybody trapped. Then you think she's the one, eh, Anne? I don't know. It looks that way. It depends pretty much on whether she has an alibi or not.
1: Alibi, Anne?
3: Yes. Sometimes they're hard to prove.
1: Nonsense. No innocent person has anything to fear.
3: Oh, no? Sometimes it's tougher than you think. For instance, suppose that someone asked you to account for your movements last night. Could you do it? Gosh, I know I couldn't. I was at the movies, alone.
1: Well, I could, for every minute. I was at the press club. As a matter of fact, I was shooting pool at 8 o'clock. By coincidence, I happened to ask someone for the time at that precise hour because I forgot my watch at home.
3: But... How do you know Lockwood was killed at exactly eight o'clock?
1: Huh? Why, that's what the medical examiner said when he saw the body.
3: He said between seven and nine. Perhaps.
1: Well, I... I just took an average. Okay, I'll get it. Pipe down, everybody.
4: Okay, Joe, wait outside. You're Mrs. Lockwood?
6: Yes. Come
4: in, please. Thank you. We... I'm Lieutenant Flanagan. Lieutenant, if you don't
0: mind, we would appreciate an explanation of this this outrage. The police came to Miss Carruthers' apartment and forced her to come here.
4: Who the devil are you? My name is Hanson. I am Paul Hanson. Should that mean
1: something? My dear sir. Oh, um, excuse me, Lieutenant. Here, yeah, Woodrow? I know Mr. Hanson, but only by reputation. He's an actor, a very good actor. Thank you, Woodrow.
4: Is that right? Well... I'm a very bad actor when uninvited guests talk at a turn. So please be kind enough to keep your trap shut, Mr. Hanson, unless you're spoke to. Now, Mrs. Lockwood, or Miss Carruthers, or whatever you call yourself, I suppose you ain't got no idea why you was brung here?
6: None whatsoever, Lieutenant.
4: Then you didn't know that last night... Your husband was... murdered.
6: Dwight? Murdered? No! Oh, no! Hmm. Oh, sure. If that's
3: true, then I'm a ring-tailed monkey.
5: What?
1: Dwight Lockwood? Dead? And if he's an actor, I'm swinging by my tail. Right alongside Sprightly.
4: Yeah, Mrs. Lockwood.
1: Murdered. His body is
4: right in here. Would you like to take a look at it?
6: Look at? No, I don't want to see him. I can't stand the sight of blood. Blood?
4: Well now, Mrs. Lockwood, that's uh, interesting. How did you know that there was blood? Why, you just, just said so. You... No. I didn't. And for all you know, or ought to know, he could have been bumped off with poison or a blunt instrument that left no traces. But instead, he was killed by a left-handed person. (gasps) Left-handed? Gloria, don't say another word. This man is just trying to frighten you into... I said shut up, you. Okay, Mrs. Luckwood... Your big mouth friend is right in one respect. I'm holding you for the murder of your husband. And it's my duty to warn you that anything you say may be used against you. However, if you want to say anything, to clear yourself. I,
6: I didn't do it. I swear I... You didn't see him last night? Y- yes, I saw him, but... Oh, then you were here. Yes, we had dinner together. Dinner? Together? (laughs) Ha ha! But he was alive when I left.
3: He... Mrs. Lockwood, I'm sorry, but all the evidence indicates that your husband was killed... at dinner. I... I... Perhaps you can prove he was still alive when you left the apartment. Who cooked the dinner?
6: Why, he did. He enjoyed doing it. He was an excellent amateur chef. Cooking was one of his hobbies. So, there was no one here when you left? No, no one. In
4: that case, you'll have a very tough time explaining how a right-handed man... Just a moment, officer. Gloria, my dear, what time did you leave the apartment? It was about 8.16. Now, looky here, you. I told you to keep out of this. Not so fast, officer. I'm very much in it. Really,
0: Mr. Hanson? And how? Because I talked to Dwight Lockwood in this apartment at quarter to nine last night. And at that time, he was very much alive.
1: We'll return to today's episode of Hot Copy in just a minute.
2: But first, a word from our sponsor.
5: For many of us, scary stories are more than just campfire tales and the stuff of horror movies. Some of us have actually lived it, or perhaps some of us know someone who has, or for most of us out there, we're simply curious about those eerie tales that balance on the edge of fiction and reality. The Night Owl Podcast is a monthly podcast featuring true tales of the paranormal. Join me, your host, Stephen Ballew. As I track down haunted places and personal ghost stories, dig deep into the mysteries surrounding them and share it all with you right here. Each episode features candid stories straight from the mouths of those who actually experienced them. Subscribe now, wherever you get your podcasts, visit the for more info. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for sneak peeks and behind the scenes photos for upcoming episodes. And if you have a ghost story, you'd like us to consider for the show email us at the night owl podcast at com. stay restless out there. Everyone. We'll see you soon.
1: And now back to hot copy. The keyhole peeping scandal columnist, Dwight Lockwood is dead. And the evidence indicates that the murderer was a left-handed red headed person. However, his red-headed, left-handed wife, was suddenly given an airtight alibi, thereby throwing the entire case into confusion.
6: I told you I was innocent. Wait, what?
1: Oh, come off it, Hanson. Who do you think you're kidding? Do you really expect us to believe that ridiculous load of perfect timing? (laughs) Ha! It's just a little too perfect.
4: Quiet! Quiet, everybody! There. That's better. We ain't gonna get nowheres with this case if the one who's in charge can't hear himself think.
3: Oh, if he can't think. Period. (laughs) Give him a chance, Sprightly.
4: Now, let's go back here. First things first. Mrs. Lockwood, you say you ate dinner with your husband. That's right. For why? To discuss again,
6: as we had several times before, the possibility of him agreeing to a divorce. But he refused to do so for certain reasons.
4: Reasons enough to make you want to kill him?
6: What? No, of course
4: not. Okay, okay, we won't go into that for now. You say he was alive when you left the apartment. That's correct. And you, Mr. Hanson? Hanson, Lieutenant. Okay, Hanson is as Hanson does. You say that you've seen the Corpus Delecti at nine. <laughs> very clever, Lieutenant,
0: very clever indeed. But you can't trick me like that. It was only a quarter to nine when I saw him, and he was most definitely not a corpus delecti then.
4: Okay, but the fact remains that so far as we know, you was the last person to see him alive. That right? I... I suppose so. I hadn't stopped to think of that. You should have thought of that before you opened your mouth and put your foot in it, like I warned you not to. Now then... But, Lieutenant, really, I... I... Suppose you tell me as to why you came here last night. Um, why? Yes. Why? You mean, why? What's the matter? Can't you understand English? I asked you, why did you come here last night?
1: Well, to tell the truth, I... I... Perhaps I could help Mr. Hanson answer that? You? What do you know about it? Enough to want to help Mr. Hanson in any way possible. It was blackmail, wasn't it? What?
3: Who? Why? What makes you think that, Wally?
1: (laughs) You forget that I've worked for, with, and under Dwight Lockwood for many years. I learned a lot more about him than he ever suspected I knew. For example, among other things, that along with his gossip column, he built up a very cute and very lucrative sideline of keeping secrets. I see.
4: Well, how about that, Hanson? Did he have anything on you? No, absolutely nothing. Then why was
0: you he here? Well, if you must know, he was attempting a mild form of pressure on me not blackmail not really but but in his column although he was not a drama critic he frequently mentioned new plays he had a wide following you know yes his praise or disapproval was important to actors he knew this and he capitalized on it i came last night to pay dwight lockwood for a good review that's the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. I swear it.
4: Nevertheless, Hanson, under the circumstances, you'll be the last one to see him alive. I guess I have to ask you.
3: No, wait a minute, Mike, Mister Hanson. What you just said might be the truth, but it isn't the whole truth.
0: I beg your pardon.
3: You're an actor, aren't you? Yes. You're currently appearing in a successful play.
0: That
4: is correct.
3: And the curtain, Mr. Hansen?
4: The, uh... Curtain, on. What's that got to do with it?
3: A lot, Mike. Hansen says he spoke to Dwight at 8.45, but the play in which he appears starts at 8.30. And I've seen the play, so I can testify that Mr. Hansen is on stage in the very first scene. It would have been humanly impossible for him to be here and there at the same time.
4: Holy Toledo Yes Hey, you're right Well no. What have you got to say to that, Hansen? Nothing, except that
0: <sighs> I'm sorry, Gloria. I I did my best.
4: what's going on here?
6: What do you mean? Please, Lieutenant, don't blame him. I I didn't think it would work. He was just trying to protect me.
4: Ah. Then you did kill your husband.
6: No, but I was here last night. So? I came not for dinner, but about nine o'clock. I let myself in. I have a key. I found Dwight dead. I went into a panic. I didn't know what to do. I'd been alone all evening. I had no alibi. Everyone knew I hated Dwight. So you told Mr. Hanson about it? Yes, I went to the theatre, told him the entire story after the performance. He, he told me to say I'd been here earlier so that he could offer an alibi for me. I was sure from the beginning that it wouldn't work, but I decided to take a chance and try anyway.
4: Deceiving the law, lie! What kind of monkey business is this, Hanson? Don't you know you could be arrested for aiding and abetting a criminal, an accessory after the fact, and obstructing justice? I... I'm sorry. I only tried. Yeah, I know what you tried, and you ain't getting off scot free for trying it either. You stick around, mister. But from now on, keep your yap shut. Now, all of you, come in here. In where, Mike? Come with me into the dining room. I want Mrs. Lockwood to see what she left behind when she went away last night. Well?
6: Oh, no, no, don't make me look.
4: (laughs) So you don't like the looks of your handiwork, eh?
3: Mike, there's no need to be so brutal.
4: I'm sick and tired of this finoodling stuff. Maybe you'd be interested in learning how we know you done it, Mrs. Luckwood. Okay, look at them utensils placed for a left-handed person and the cup and saucer, port side, and the cigarette tray there.
6: It, it was someone else. I'm not the only left-handed person on earth.
4: No, but you're the only left-hander that was here last night.
6: But it must have been someone else. Dwight had many enemies. Lots of men absolutely hated.
4: Men don't wear lipstick. And there's lipstick smeared on that cup, Mrs. Lockwood.
6: But it wasn't me. <laughs> Cheap creepers, Annie. He's
3: right. There it is. Yes, Flanagan is more observant than I credited him for. Lipstick on the cup hmm That looks bad, doesn't it?
4: Sure does. And furthermore... Well, Anne, what are you snooping around the table for? Huh?
3: Oh, just looking, Mike.
4: Well, don't touch nothing. You know better than to disturb the evidence.
6: Yes, I know. I'm sorry. Please, please, Lieutenant, can't we go in the other room? I can't stand it here.
4: Okay. Anne? Sprightly?
6: Be with you in a minute,
4: Mike. Me too. Okay, but don't touch nothing. Now, Mrs. Lockwood, if you want to make it easy on yourself, you'll talk.
3: Annie? What's the matter? What? What? Sprightly? You look like you've just been struck by a lightning bolt. I have just been struck, Sprightly, but not with lightning, with an idea. Look here, at this cup. Well? It's a very pretty cup. Yes, yes, I know. But is that all you see? Well, it's a very dirty cup. Coffee dregs are inside and, and lipstick stains are on the rim. Yes, Sprightly. yes. But where on the rim? What? Where the drinker's lips touched. Oh. Now you see what I mean? Golly, Moses, yes. These lipstick smears are to the left of the handle. That's where a right-handed person's lips would touch. A left-handed person would drink with her left hand and leave a smear to the right of the handle. Precisely. And now, look at this saucer. What do you see, Sprightly? Well, um, a cigarette is crumpled in it. Yes, but a cigarette without any lipstick stains, darling. If the lipstick on the cup was legitimate, we would surely find lipstick on the cigarette. That means Dwight's dinner guest last night was a man. Holy smoke, a
1: man! Hey, Anne, Mike wants you and Sprightly in the other room. Hey, what goes on here? What's all this heads-in-a-huddle stuff?
3: Oh, just discussing a few things, Wally.
1: <laughs> the incurable amateur detective, eh? Well, did you discover anything?
3: I think so, Wally. Tell me something, will you?
1: Sure, sure. Ask me anything. I'm the Human Information Bureau.
3: How did you get in here this morning?
1: How did I?
3: How did you get into Dwight's apartment? Was the door open?
1: Why, no. I have a key.
3: A key. Isn't that a trifle unusual?
1: Maybe, but Dwight was an unusual guy.
3: I think we should go into the other room, before Mike blows a gasket.
1: That's what I came for. To fetch you. <clears throat> Ahem. But look, Anne.
3: Later, Wally. Here we are, Mike.
4: Where have you been, Anne?
3: Just in the other room, looking around.
4: I hope you ain't been touching nothing in there.
3: No, of course not. We've just been snooping
4: well you can stop wasting your time i'm taking mrs lockwood to police headquarters
6: as you wish lieutenant but i still say i had nothing to do with this just a minute mike before you go i'd like to
3: ask mrs lockwood one question
4: go ahead but she don't have to answer
3: i think she'll want to oh mrs lockwood you say you found your husband dead when you came here last night. You panicked from fright and ran out. That's correct. You didn't notice that everything on that table had been rearranged to make it look as if a left-handed person had dined there?
6: I didn't notice anything. As soon as I saw Dwight's body, I just fled.
4: Rearranged? What do you mean, rearranged?
3: Exactly what the word usually means, Mike. However, in this case, it also means that Mrs. Lockwood didn't kill her husband. He was murdered by a man, a right-handed man, who then carefully set the scene to throw suspicion on your left-handed lady prisoner.
1: But how do you know that,
3: Anne? Because the murderer made three mistakes. First, he smeared lipstick on the wrong part of the cup for a left-handed person and forgot to smear any on the cigarette he smoked. Second, he used a blue-red type of lip rouge, which is a shade that no redhead ever uses. Redheads always use a shade like orange-red or vermilion. Just take a glance at Mrs. Lockwood and you'll see for yourself.
1: And what's the third?
3: He apparently forgot that fingerprints can convict a man.
1: Anne! Mike! I told you my fingerprints were all over everything. I told you so when I first called you. Shut up, you. Go on, Anne.
3: He wiped the glasses and silverware clean as a whistle, but apparently didn't know that under modern laboratory methods, fingerprints can be raised from paper. For example, the common paper of a cigarette. And in the ashtray in that room is the cigarette butt that will send him straight to prison, or death row. Look, Mike! Mr. Hansen
0: is trying to sneak out the door!
4: Stop right there, Hansen. I've got a very pretty set of handcuffs for you to try on.
0: Let me go! He had it coming to him. Dwight was bleeding me dry. He was a human snake. I had to kill him. He was ruining my life, my career. I... I...
4: Okay, Hanson, that's enough. And anyway, it's my duty to inform you that anything you say can be used against you. But feel free to babble all you want to after you got booked at headquarters.
3: By the way, nice going, Annie. More like lucky going. I hope Mike will forgive my melodrama, but I had to do something to make him crack.
4: You made it sound like the real McCoy, Annie. Then you you mean fingerprints don't show up on paper? <laughs> nope. <laughs> if they did, the Crime Lab boys would have took that cigarette stub before they left, Hanson.
0: Then you... You haven't got any case against me! I deny everything! You can't prove!
4: Mister, I might be slow, but I ain't stupid. Now that I know you done it, there's a million ways I can prove it. Dust analysis, powder residue on your hands from the gun, and all sorts of other things.
3: But there's one thing I don't get, Anne... Was this dumb lug here at 8.45, or...? Nope. He was the dinner guest. It all ties in very neatly. Just think about it. He was the only suspect who had no key to this apartment. Dwight let him in. When, Hanson? Perhaps around 7 o'clock?
0: I refuse to talk. I want to speak to a...
3: Of course. Nevertheless, my guess would be that you came here for dinner on your way to the theater, and that you were carrying your makeup kit... That's where you got the lipstick and the long red hair, by which you hope to pin the crime on Gloria. Isn't that right? You
0: can't prove any of that!
4: No, but it'll be interesting to have a look at that make-up kit. But Ann, what made this nut decide to stick his head into a noose by coming here voluntarily and saying he seen Dwight Lockwood last night?
3: I suspect, Mike, that he was attempting to pull a clever dramatic ploy which almost worked. No one ever looks quite so innocent as a person that was once suspected, then proven guiltless. Ain't that the truth? I never gave him another thought after we figured out that his alibi
6: for Mrs. Lockwood was phony. And all the time I thought he was trying to help me. My lord, I had gone to him for help. As
3: he expected, or planned. I mean, hadn't your date with him been arranged
6: for some time in advance? Why, Why? yes, that's true.
4: <laughs> well, that's that, then. Okay, Hansen, let's get moving.
1: Well, Anne, wow, you sure pulled a rabbit out of your hat this time. But why the heck didn't you tell me about it while we were in the dining room? You, you want the truth, Wally? Why,
3: sure. Okay, then. I'll tell you. It was because, up to the last minute, I wasn't altogether sure that you weren't going to be the one who'd break down and confess.
1: Me? You mean, now I'm really stopped cold. The great Anne Rogers pulling a climax without knowing for sure who'd done it.
3: Well, you did act kind of peculiar, Wally. (laughs) Yes, and you did have every reason for... Wally, do me a favor, would you?
1: Well, maybe. What is it?
3: Don't ever, ever let Mike Flanagan know that I wasn't sure. Will you do that for me? Because, if he did... <laughs> if that overgrown leprechaun ever found out the truth, he'd be in Anne from now until the last shamrock grows in Ireland. <laughs> Hello, everybody. On behalf of the cast and crew of Hot Copy Radio Theater, we're going to take a brief moment to take note of the fact that this episode marks the first anniversary of our show. Thank you so much for listening. Our audience has grown by leaps and bounds over the past year. Honestly, it's absolutely amazing to all of us, but there are currently thousands of you out there. We also get some really nice emails from listeners. For instance, this is one that we received last month. I checked out your show and holy guacamole, do I have a new bin show during my full-time job. Holy guacamole. <laughs> I love that comment. It's compliments like that which truly inspire us to keep doing what we're doing.
4: Hello, everybody. This here is Lieutenant Mike Flanagan. And I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in to this show and for following my adventures. (laughs) I can't hardly believe it's been an entire year. So, just keep listening and you'll hear even more of my stories. This is Inspector Collins. And
0: first, I'd like to remind Lieutenant Flanagan that he is not the only cop on the police force. And that he is not the only cop on this show. I mean, over the past year, I've been on just as many episodes as him. But we both want to thank all of the listeners to this show, as well as the entire cast and crew. There wouldn't be a show without you.
3: Thank you again, everyone. And be sure to keep listening.
1: Thank you for tuning in to Hot Copy Radio Theater. We truly hope that you enjoyed our recreation of Mind Over Murder, a lost episode of the radio-audio drama Hot Copy, originally broadcast on Sunday, July 9th, 1944. Our cast on this episode featured Rhonda Sigler Ware as Ann Rogers, Samantha Thompson as Sprightly Poole, Jerry Kokich as Lt. Michael Flanagan, Emily A. Cole as Gloria Lockwood, Christian Newhouse as Paul Hansen, Glenn Haskell as Dwight Lockwood, Stephen Fisher as the Crime Lab Investigator, Logan Smith as Wally Woodrow, and also as your announcer. In addition, the voice of Jack Billings was also heard on this episode. All sound effects are from freesound.org. This episode was adapted from the original script written by Nelson S. Bond. Hot Copy Radio Theater is produced and edited under the direction of Jim Goodluck. Now, if you like this show, please take a moment of your time and go to Apple Podcasts, also known as iTunes, then give a five-star rating and review for Hot Copy Radio Theater. And, if your favorite streaming service carries this show and allows you to give a rating, please be sure to rate us there also. Finally, if you would like to contact any of the voice actors from this episode, or if you have any comments, questions, or suggestions in regard to this show, please send an email to hotcopyradiotheater at gmail.com. You can also follow this show on Twitter as @hotcopyradio. In addition, we have a Facebook page where you can make comments and give feedback. We invite you to tune in again on the 10th of each month for another thrilling presentation of Hot Copy Radio Theater.